Welcome to the Victorious Souls Podcast with self-love coach, Danielle Burnock. Things happen in our lives that make us feel powerless. But Danielle believes that anyone can become a victorious soul by reclaiming what belongs to them, their value, their belovedness, and their God-given superpower. The Victorious Souls Podcast is dedicated to empowering you to rise up, reclaim, and embrace the change from survive to thrive as a victorious soul through the power of love. And now, here's that lady on the internet who loves you, Danielle. Hello, welcome to my live stream today. This is Danielle Burnack from DanielleBurnack.com. Love yourself from Survive to Thrive, that lady on the internet who loves you. And today I have a treat for you. I have a lady named Donna Tashian, and she is a childhood trauma survivor who proved everybody wrong. And we'll hear more about that. She's got so many things that she has done. She is an author. She is a coach. She is a speaker. She is an ordained minister and a podcaster, and she has founded her own nonprofit called Vibrant Living International. And so I'll bring her out here to share with you her story, which is, you're going to love it. She's got a thing called turning baggage into luggage. I can't wait to get into that with you today. So thank you for joining me today, Donna, on my live stream and then on my podcast later. I just... I can't wait for people to hear your baggage into luggage thing. I was telling them about that. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, Danielle. And one of the things I told them also is that you're a childhood trauma survivor that proved everybody wrong. I did. So you get to share that today. And I know that your life altering event happened when you were just 14 years old. And we were talking ahead of time about how some people think 14 is already grown up. And it's yeah. quite a pivotal time in our lives. Like I was telling you, yes. something life altering happened in my life when I was 14 also. So what was your life like before this altering event, before that happened to you? I grew up in a blended family. Um, and prior to my biological father, I never really knew. Oh. Um my parents were married, but I have no memories. And so I'm not quite sure what all that means, <laughs> but it's usually when you don't remember things, it's not usually always good. So right. um, I don't yeah, really just have a lot from that. <laughs> yes. And so, but I have a few memories and they weren't good. The ones I do remember. And um, so my mom divorced. And then when I was eight, um, she remarried. And so the wonderful thing about that is that my new father became my daddy. He is oh, wow. an incredible man. Um, it was one of the best things that happened out of that. And um, yeah, he's definitely my daddy. And so he was, he still is a big part of my life. So, um, but he brought with him three boys from a previous marriage on his part, and I brought with me a brother. So now there are four boys and me. 
Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> in, <laughs> in this family, um, I am the oldest from my mom, but the middle now. Mm. They, so that's like, you know, all of that causes weird dynamics. And then yeah. my parents had another daughter when I was 10 and I did not like her at all. <laughs> Uh, because she was getting her way with everything and I was, you know, so it was one of those kind of things. But Definitely today, rivalry. today we're today we're great friends. But you know, in the beginning, she took all my stuff and you know that kind of feelings. <laughs> but uh it didn't blend real well. Um, my stepbrothers, if you want to call them that, would pick on my brother and me. Um, and uh it was rough. It was a rough fitting into it all. But we grew up in a family where all of that, we look great to the public. You know, it's that everything looks shiny and new and clean. And there's a it, lot of that. Yeah. And, and it's amazing how many families do that kind of thing. As I have found out, that's really normal that we don't always share our pain. I think social media has brought out a lot more of that, perhaps of bringing out some of the pain, but we also gloss it over with taking photos with all of our garbage on the other side of the room. Kind of thing. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, um, so there was, you know, I, if I was going to analyze it now, there was feelings of abandonment. There was not belonging um all of those kind of things this little girl mm -hmm. felt trying to figure out how to fit in um my mom is very big on uh it still is today everything being perfect mm -hmm. so i was never allowed to get dirty oh child, no ever um if i got dirty she changed my clothes um so i was never dirty i always looked perfect i had to be perfect um Ouch. And all of that was part of the way that, and I understand, I mean, I, I mean, look, my mom now we're both adults. She's still that way about herself. Mm -hmm. um, and it shows a lot of things as a life mastery coach that I see in my mom mm -hmm. that I understand. But as that little child trying oh, yeah. to always be perfect, um, and, you know, that means you don't make a mess anywhere. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's not fun. <laughs> no, that's not. So, what I read recently, I loved how they put it. They said, perfect is like infinity. It's a nice idea, but you can never, you never get there. Get there. <laughs> Absolutely. It always moves. Whatever the finish line you thought was, it's uh -huh. constantly moving. And so we never, and we never arrive that. In fact, we already are perfect because I'm perfectly me. Amen. But we don't realize that. <laughs> yeah, that we takes coaching that. to get to. That takes coaching or therapy to get to. It, it, so it, it takes, takes inner it healing takes and inner work to get there. It takes <laughs> a while to actually realize that. Um, I'm only imperfect if I'm trying to be you and you're trying to be me. That's <laughs> when we have a difficulties. But that comparison thing kills. Oh, yeah. Um, and so that's where I was prior to 14. Yeah. So what is it that happened at age 14? You had a life altering event. And how, how, what happened and how did that change your life? Someone close to me and our family hurt me. And I, it was, there was a lot of manipulation and things going on, but anyway, I became pregnant. Um, it was, um, 
not a repeated event as far as intercourse goes. That was one time and I'm pregnant. Wow. So uh, I didn't tell anyone that it occurred until I remember. Yeah. I remember it was, I had moved, we had moved to Texas and I was standing in my bathroom at 14 with tears streaming down my face going, I can't be, but it's one, two, three. It's been four months. I can't be. And I really didn't even understand so sheltered in those days. This is pre-internet guys. Oh there yeah, was, yeah. There was, there was not. Some girls, some girls we didn't know. I didn't understand. Now, I didn't understand biology. Yeah. I didn't understand what what was what had even occurred, and I didn't. Yeah. Know, I just knew that I could be pregnant. And now remember how perfectionist my mom is, and I'm about to tell her this. <laughs> oh no, that must have been terrifying. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So I'm about to tell her that I'm pregnant and this is her perfect little girl, right? So I'm no longer perfect. And I, there was uh, my mother's embarrassment, my mother's feeling like a failure. I'm sure all of that was then appropriated onto me as far as shame and regret and disappointment and all of those kind of things. Um, I had been um, involved in what we would call homeschooling today Mm -hmm. um, prior to that, but it's different than what we would do today because we mailed in our test and we mailed them back for being graded. So there was actually a school that was actually doing the work, not my mom. And they mailed me textbooks and all of that. So I was involved in that prior to being pregnant. And so I continued and finished high school. Well, my daughter was born when I was 15 and I finished high school before I was 17. So I was and a half or something like that. Four years of high school because I was started high school in 14 Mm -hmm. and finished at a 16 and a half. Wow. So, um, but at 16, you know, at 16, I have um, an 18 month year old. And at 18, I have a three-year-old, you know, to kind of give you a picture of, of the changes that were occurring. Um, And I had all these dreams of, uh, it was quite an illusion because I've talked to everybody and high school wasn't great for them, but I thought high school was going to be amazing. I really loved school and could not, could not do it anymore. So no proms, no dates, isolation, no cell phone guys. Total isolation, no internet. There was library books and TV and that's it. And I was home all day long, just me and my child. Wow. And there's some girls that back then they got sent away to schools and they got sent away to places. So it was actually- My mom mom and dad didn't do that. home and finish school. Yeah, my mom and dad didn't do that at least. So there was that, you know, that was a good- part of it all, but learning to figure out how to transverse all of the education piece, all of the feeling like a failure. I spent most of those days uh, crying 
um, especially pre pre birth, you know, all of that. Oh, yeah, well, hormones probably yeah, have all, to all do of that. that. Oh my goodness! All of that. I can't imagine. I, I was a basket case when I was pregnant, and I was not fourteen. So, so. <laughs> yeah. So, and anything in our teenage years, it seems like we've turned up the volume. If I'm sad, I'm over the top sad. If I'm mm-hmm. you know happy, I'm ecstatic. You know, yeah. it's like. Whatever it is, the volume is turned up when we're teenagers and feeling so think about how that was all intensified. Um, And the main thing that got me through is I had had what I call a relationship with God. It was my faith. Mm -hmm. My my parents, uh, it was a religious home. So there was a lot of rules. But during that time, I began to know God outside of rules. If you How'd would. you do that? Um, I read my Bible and I prayed and talked to him. And the, I, it has been quite a few years back to recall all of the, <laughs> to recall it all in clarity. But I only thing I know is that without his God's influence in my life, I would have been, I would have probably followed the path that they expected. Because when you have thought sex is love and you're feeling awful and you're feeling abandoned and you're feeling lost and you're feeling shame and unworthy and unlovable, someone gives you attention. Mm -hmm. It's like a moth to a flame. Yeah. (laughs) I know it isn't. And so it was tempting in several different occasions for that to go that way. But I remember sitting at one party, a guy I had just met, don't remember where I met him, none of it, and didn't ever want to see him again. But anyway, <laughs> I met him and he invited me to a party at his house. Now I grew up sheltered, you know, no, no drinking, no drugs, none of that kind of stuff. And, and so I went and I remember sitting there, not drinking, not doing anything, just watching him because everybody told me I was missing out. And so I'm watching them. They're doing lines of Coke, the whole thing. And I'm sitting there watching it all going, I'm not missing anything. What I'm looking for isn't here. Wow. This is nuts. These people are miserable. And I don't know how I knew that. I was probably 17, 18. Wow. What a gift. (laughs) But I walked out of there and went, this isn't what I'm looking for. I know I'm looking for something, but this isn't what I'm looking for. Um, and I can only attribute that to God's protection because yeah. it would have been so easy to go off a different path to be able to follow that. So, yeah, it sounds to me like what you did, which is just in line with my relationship with God is he's just, cause I had a lot of religious, mm-hmm. not going to get there, but anyways, yes, you do. I, I refer to him as the God that I know. Yes. <laughs> it's like David in the Bible. You know, he watched the sheep, you know, and he was by himself a lot and he just poured out his heart. And it's like, you poured out your heart. And when we do that, we just pour out our heart from our place of mess and pain and everything. He just, he, he comes alongside us no matter how long it takes, but it sounds like it didn't take long for him to, he was just right there with you. And he carried you through that time. And that's just so precious. And it's so encouraging. I just want to stop here for my audience. I want you to pay attention to this thing here whatever you think about God, if you're hurting, just talk to him, 
and he'll break through to wherever, right to the core of your heart, because he loves you. It's God right. is love. I struggled with that for the longest time, but because he loves you, he will find you. Just, just be real. Like Donna was real. She just poured out her heart and God was there. It kept her from getting involved with drugs and all kinds of stuff in high school. That is just really quite profound <laughs> for a kid that age to do that. That I could see how that was God intervening. <laughs> no, they're telling me you're beautiful. I, I love you. And all of the things that we want to hear, mm -hmm. um, especially, you know, sharing, showing you what I've told you about my, my self-esteem and mm -hmm. where I was at that time, I had none. Yeah. But the only thing that held me stable was God. And that that's the thing I said, it was, it was not the God of my parents' religion. Mm-hmm. It was a relationship. God is not religion. He is a relationship. Yeah. And He's a creator. <laughs> and look around. <laughs> and having to develop that relationship outside of religion. I hate religion. Religion is perfection. Religion is rules. Religion is mm -hmm. you're never good enough. But yeah. that's not the God of the Bible. Yeah. And I so, detest that kind of religion too. Yes, I, I'm with you. So that's not exactly where I thought I'd go with all of this, but it's, it's my story and it's, I walked it out. I remember when I met my husband, um, which we can talk about next. When I met my yeah, husband, I was just going to go next into, thing. you met your husband and when you were 18 and what yep. were you doing at that time and how did that all transpire? And tell us about that. I was working full time. Um, and uh, at a doctor's office in medical records. And the, they had given me the opportunity to go to take a college course at night that they wow. would pay for, for medical terminology. Awesome. So um, <laughs> it was learning because I'm working in a doctor's office and they're mm -hmm. saying all this medical terminology that I have no clue what they're talking about. Yeah. So they paid for this. And my husband or future husband was in the military and he is, um, or was pararescueman, which is basically a combat doctor field doctor mm -hmm. is their training. Um, and so he was talking from the field, if you will, of accidents and, you know, trauma shipwrecks, plane mm -hmm. crashes, all kinds of stuff. And he's having to communicate with hospitals. Mm -hmm. So he said, I'm going to go take this same course and learn <laughs> medical terminology so that I can communicate on the radio mm -hmm. that we're coming in with this and they've got a pneumothorax and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And what does that mean? That's a collapsed lung, by the way. So <laughs> thanks. I would have never known. Yes. Yeah, so um, that's like Lorax from Dr. Yeah. Seuss is what I thought of. <laughs> anyway, so he, he attended this course too. Now, um, my husband's waving to me at the window. <laughs> your husband <laughs> yes uh he knows I'm recording so <laughs> anyway um and so we met in that class now he uh, waited till the last night of class and it was in December to ask me out and so I, at that point in my life I had made the decision that it was just going to be me and my daughter by the way I had a little girl um and that what's her name? I, can I ask what's her name yes her name is Andrea, Andrea. um and uh 
she, uh, I had decided because guys are jerks. They guys are jerks. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's just going to be me, God and Andrea, my little girl, and we'll be fine. I'm going to have a great life. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to provide for her. I don't need this. I don't need Mm -hmm. this. And so when he asked me out, I kind of went, I don't know. (laughs) Wasn't super encouraging. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, we'll give it a try. Something made me say yes. So the rest is history. Last week we celebrated our 37th anniversary. So happy anniversary. uh, (laughs) I would like you to to tell our audience what you what you asked him when he asked you out, because I love what you said when you told me this before. He asked you on the last night and you asked him. I asked him why he waited. And he said, that way, if you said no, I didn't have to see you again. <laughs> he I didn't want rejection like either. <laughs> and his great boldness to ask. I know. <laughs> your great boldness to listen. You both had your, your trepidations yeah, We both there. had our own things going on. So, yeah. Um, so then I had to tell him I had a child and then I had to tell him, Um, because it, in all appearances, I wasn't 18. Mm -hmm. I have a, you know, I have a three-year-old daughter. I am working full time. I have my own apartment. Um, I'm going to college at night. You know, it's like, this doesn't look like an 18 year old. So the next thing I need to learn is my age. Um, and so it took a little bit of adjustment. He told me while he was in the state, he goes, let's just go out and have a good time. And I'm like, okay, you know, let's, let's do that. And he was, he was safe. He treated me like a lady. It was all of the things I had been looking for. So it wasn't long that I knew that he would be one I'd want to spend my life with, but he had said, you know, when I get out of the military, I'm going home and it didn't happen that way. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) where was home? He was from upstate New York. Ah, and you're from Texas. At that point, I was living in Washington state. Oh, wow. I moved moved around a bit. Okay. So, but the thing that I want to mention about my husband is, is that he knew my past. I didn't hide anything. He knew my past and he loved me. Um, And he loved me and he loved me when he would tell me I, he would love me. And one of our little um, uh, jokes today is I, I would say, what? when he'd say, I love me. And it wasn't because I didn't hear him is because I wanted him to say it again. <laughs> um, and he would tell me, I would look, you look beautiful today. And I'm like, what? And so he would continue to say it until I quit saying what, how many ever times that was, because I needed to believe that somebody loved me. We were, you know, we're married, but you know, you still have trouble believing and receiving love because we yes. doubted ourselves for so long. So he was definitely now has everything been perfect in 37 years? No. Has he been a jerk at times? Yes. Um, so have I, <laughs> and so have I, but we loved each other and we committed. One of the things we promised, we would never hurt each other on purpose. So if he hurt me, I knew it wasn't intentional, but it didn't mean that it didn't hurt. So we right. would have to talk through it, but it's different when it's not intentional. Right. You can be able, if I, if he hurt me, it wasn't what he meant to do. So right. learning to, and we kept that promise. We never name called and we never 
We never hurt each other on purpose. And those were some things we did early on that made for those who you want marriage advice. Those are yeah. good. good uh, yeah, pause here, audience. <laughs> Pay attention. We'll do a little thing here of if you are married, don't hurt your spouse on purpose. Don't use negative words. Name calling. Those are counterproductive. I don't care how angry you are. Yes. Bite your tongue. <laughs> One of the other things that we did, I have one other tip that's been really transformational is, is when you're facing a problem, mm-hmm. let's, let's say somebody wrecked the car. And so one person wrecked the car, the other person's mad. How could you da, 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 whatever it is. So instead of looking at, at the person as the problem, the wrecked car is the problem. So instead of putting it between you, get on the other side of the table, if you will, stand together and say, we have a wrecked car. What are we going to do together? Right. So whatever it is, whatever problem you're facing, it's not in the middle of the table. Get on the same side of the table and face the problem and face it together and, and not blaming doesn't get anywhere to solving problems. And we did that with all of our problems, no matter who made the mistake. And that in itself stops a whole lot of disagreements and brings harmony. It brings cohesiveness and longevity. Right. Those are some, that's some good marriage advice. (laughs) Sounds like a lot like what we do in our marriage too. So thank you for sharing that. Well, I want to get into a little bit of your terminology thing that drew me to you in the first place, that baggage into luggage. I just, I love that. It just sounds so cool. It's very catchy. And how did you come up with that term? And I'd like you to elaborate on that. And you've told me about baggage thinking and luggage thinking, and then, you know, what that luggage, what it means. You explained to me what that means. So how did you come up with that terminology? I'm not really sure where I came up with it other than (laughs) I was praying. Um, That's where I get most of my inspiration is I pray. That's pretty I cool. He's quiet, pretty smart. <laughs> I sit quiet and I write down ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where I give all, all of the credit to you is. So other than that, I can't remember any other specific way that that okay. came up, but turning your baggage into luggage is baggage thinking is especially centered around the why, why did this happen? Um, That question keeps us stuck in it because we almost never, especially traumatic things, can explain Mm -hmm. why and why also wants to blame. Mm -hmm. I need to blame myself. I need to blame somebody else. I need to. And that keeps us trapped in that moment, disappointment, whether large or small, it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. Losing a job to a car crashing to... Mm -hmm to whatever it is, to major things that happened to me, um, it, it, it doesn't really matter. And, and baggage wants to blame. It wants to, somebody needs to pay. Mm, this isn't right. <laughs> this isn't just. Um, it wants vengeance or justice, whichever word resonates. And mm-hmm. that's baggage. And as long as I stay in that kind of thinking, Mm-hmm. I stay trapped, if you in the will, pain. in in the pain, mm-hmm. and I never get better. And the and luggage thinking is there can be good coming out of everything that has happened to me. Mm-hmm. 
God turns all things to good for those who love him was one of my favorite scriptures. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that in the middle of my crap, <laughs> I didn't see how that was possible. <laughs> but I would not have met my husband. All of those events, mm-hmm. I would not have never met him if it hadn't happened. And it also made me the empathetic, strong, compassionate woman I am today mm-hmm. because of what I went through. I understand things that I wouldn't have understood. Right. And so learning to be able to take, and the other thing that's really important for transforming baggage into luggage, luggage to me means I'm traveling. I'm going somewhere. I'm yeah. not stuck baggage is garbage bags if you could picture that image it's garbage bags all stacked around us in our house and we're just trapped in the stink luggage is is i'm going to the beach or somewhere (laughs) i'm going somewhere i've packed i'm ready it's you know it's lean it's clean and i'm gonna have fun and that's the difference in baggage and luggage in my analogy of this and luck to get to the luggage, forgiveness is a huge piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. Um, I have done several, uh, I do whole workshops on forgiveness mm-hmm. because it's such a big subject and that's too big for us to, to fully get into Right, it. right. Yeah, it would be but a very large thing to cover. I went from all of that. I was always the girl that was helping people. People were drawn to, they'd say, I can't believe I'm telling you this kind of girl. And I've coached, we didn't call it coaching. We would call it mentoring in years past. Mm -hmm. Um, In my, in the Christian settings, it would have been called discipleship, but I did it in all different kinds of settings. It's always Mm -hmm. been that kind of component. And about 10 years ago, it's like, what I want to do now that I'm all grown up (laughs) and Uh, I had lost a job. So it came from another disappointment and another moment where I'm like, am I really worth anything? It's just funny. It still showed up again. Do I really contribute to the world? And it just is deeper healing is what it believes. I believe Mm -hmm. it is. It's just more. And vibrant living was born out of that. It was born out of me feeling like, oh, maybe I'm not worth anything, but I went back to who I always knew to go to. Like, what is it you want me to do? What is it I'm supposed to do next? And so vibrant living came from that. And I have become someone, it is all, all I knew is he kept saying it's bigger than you think, which is why the international is on the name. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but I'm just a small town girl and I don't do videos and I don't do (laughs) all of the things that I do today. (laughs) And so it was, it was growing. I got coaching. I I hired coaches to be able to help me to really learn how to do what I was innately gifted at to a extremely higher level. I lost you for a minute. You froze. I don't remember what you heard, (laughs) but I got a coach. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I, so that I could take what I was innately gifted at and do it to an, a much higher level and a higher level of excellence. Wonderful. Yeah. You do so much to help other people and you shared how you got started with 
with that thing. But I would like to ask out of all the things that you do, what is the one thing that just lights you up inside that you just, that's your favorite thing to do with all the things you do? My favorite is coaching. And it's those moments in coaching when the lies lies are exposed and they get what I call your aha moments. Yes. Um, It's the light bulb comes on and you're like, yeah, that's a lie. This is the truth. And everything begins to transform. Those are my favorite moments. Oh, I love those too. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So you have books. You have books. You already shared what was your biggest help. That was your faith coming through that. We shared all of that. It was wonderful. But you have some books. What are some books that you have that um, people can can get from you? Um, the uh, one is the, the latest one I wrote. These are ebooks, and this is free for you if you'd like it. It's on my website on the main page, um, and it's called An Umbrella on a Sunny Day. And it is when we. The, I came up with a title because. When we've had painful past, we mm-hmm. tend to prepare for the pain to happen again, the disappointments to happen again, the other shoe to drop. Mm-hmm. So the sun is shining, but I know it's going to rain on me. So I'm bringing my umbrella. And so it's that kind of mindset where if you notice that it gets good and you're like, when's it going to get something bad's about to happen? Mm-hmm. that kind of feeling, then um, I go through a little bit more of my 14-year-old painful story. And then mm-hmm. I share tools and strategies of overcoming that I haven't shared here today. And also it has stories of other women I've worked with and what they have overcome. So that's free on my website, an umbrella on a sunny day. That's awesome. So what is your website? How can people connect with you? Are you on social medias and what ones and how can people connect with you and turn their baggage into luggage? I am on all the social media. Well, not um, all the main social media. And my (laughs) name is not easy to, I mean, it's not common, so you can find me. And my website is ivibrantliving.com. I have one other book I'd like to mention one other book and it is called the key to transform your life. It is available for purchase under my resource tab um, on my website. And it is a book that has why are declarations or affirmations important? Why are the words we speak important? It -hmm. starts out with that. It is the key to transforming your life as words that you're speaking. Mm-hmm. And then it gives you 30 days of different affirmations to say every day. So each wow. day you have six to 10 and you can choose what's your favorites and then continue and then create your own that you want to continue to use. And so that's available as well. That's awesome. Well, thank you for being with me today, Donna. This was just delightful talking about all of that. And I'm sure everyone just enjoyed it so much. Thank you, Danielle. It's my pleasure. Thank you. I'll talk to you in just a couple of minutes. Okay. So there you have it. Do you want to turn your baggage into luggage? Isn't that just fascinating? The luggage is you're going somewhere. You can get out of sitting with all your garbage around you and go somewhere else. So that goes along with what I do to, to, to love yourself from survive to thrive. So because we love you and we want you to do well in your life. That's why I am here, Danielle Burnock from DanielleBurnock.com. 
at Lady on the Internet Who Loves You. And until next time, bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Victoria Souls Podcast. You matter and you are loved. We'd love to connect with you further. So please visit us at daniellebernock.com and grab a copy of Danielle's free audiobook. And remember, only you can change your life. No one can do it for you.